are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head on over to Facebook, and you'll find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and you'll be able to share your own thoughts and insights with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 303, and we are reading from Volume 4, Book 7, Chapter 12, Paragraphs 213 to 221. 213. In order to answer in person to these prayers of his mother, her divine son descended from heaven with immense glory and spoke to her, My beloved mother, be relieved of thy affectionate anxiety, and let thy ardent thirst for my glory and for the increase of the church be satiated in my presence and converse. It is in my power to fulfill the desires, and thou art the one to oblige me to do it, since I will deny nothing to the desires and prayers. During these words, the blessed Mary was prostrate on the ground in adoration of the divinity and humanity of her Son and true God. But the Lord raised her up and filled her with ineffable joy and jubilee by giving her his benediction and enriching her with new favors and gifts of his right hand. She remained in this ecstasy of delight, enjoying the most exalted and mysterious converse of her Son and Lord, and her anxiety for the welfare of the church was appeased, for he promised her great gifts and favors for the church. 2.14. In answer to her prayer for the apostles, besides promising to assist them in preparing the symbol of the faith, the Lord informed his mother of the very wording of the propositions or articles of which the creed was to be composed. Of all this, the most prudent lady was well capable, as was explained more fully in the second part of this history. But now when the time had arrived for executing what had been intended so long before, he wished to renew it all in the purest heart of his virgin mother, in order that the fundamental truths of the church might flow from the lips of Christ himself. It was also proper to counteract against the humility of the great lady, so that she might consent to be called by those with whom she yet lived in mortal flesh, and who were to preach and believe in this symbol, the mother of God and a virgin before and after his birth. For it was not to be expected that she, who had been chosen by God for her humility, in order to work the greatest of his wonders, would be willing of herself to publish this prerogative, although it was greater to the mother and virgin in the sight of God, than to be so called in the church of God. Luke 1.48 2.15 Christ our Lord took leave of his blessed mother and returned to the right hand of the Father, Immediately he inspired St. Peter, his vicar, and the rest with the desire of setting up a symbol of the universal faith of the church. Accordingly, they sought conference with the heavenly mistress concerning its opportuneness and the measures to be taken for this purpose. 
they resolved to fast and persevere in prayer for ten continuous days in order to receive the inspiration of the Holy Ghost in this arduous affair. Having completed these ten days, which were also the last ten of the forty in which the Queen had treated with the Lord about this matter, the twelve apostles met in the presence of Mary, and St. Peter spoke to them as follows. 2.16 My dear brethren, the divine mercy in its infinite goodness, and through the merits of our Savior and Master Jesus, has favored His holy Church by gloriously multiplying its children, as we have seen and experienced in this short time. For this purpose, the Almighty has multiplied miracles and prodigies and daily renews them through our ministry, having chosen us, though unworthy as the instruments of his divine will in this work, and for the glory and honor of his holy name. Together with these favors, he has sent us tribulations and persecutions of the devil and of the world in order that we may imitate our Savior and Captain, and in order that the church, evenly ballasted, might reach more securely the port of rest and eternal felicity. The disciples have evaded the wrath of the chief priest and spread through the neighboring cities, preaching the faith of Christ our Redeemer and Lord. We must also soon depart and preach throughout the globe, according to the command of the Lord before ascending into heaven. Just as there is but one baptism in which men are to receive this faith, so there must be but one doctrine which the faithful are to believe. Hence it is meet that we, who are as yet gathered harmoniously in the Lord, to find the truths and mysteries which we are to propound expressly to all the nations of the world, and thus, without difference of opinions, believe the same doctrines. It is the infallible promise of the Lord that where two or three shall be gathered in his name, he shall be in their midst. Matthew 18.20 Confiding in his word, we firmly hope that he will now assist us with his divine spirit to understand and define in his name by an unchangeable decree the articles to be established in his holy church, as long as it shall last to the end of the world. 2.17. All the apostles consented to this proposal of St. Peter. Then he celebrated a mass in which he gave communion to the most holy Mary and the apostles, whereupon they all included the Blessed Mother, prostrated themselves in prayer, calling upon the Holy Ghost. After continuing their prayers for some time, they heard the rumbling of thunder as on the first coming down of the Holy Ghost, upon the gathering of the faithful. At the same time, the cenacle was filled with light and splendor, and all were enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Then the Most Blessed Mary asked each of the apostles to define a mystery according as the Divine Spirit should inspire them. Thereupon, St. Peter began and was followed by the rest in the following order. 1. St. Peter, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. 2. St. Andrew, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 3 and 4. St. James the Greater, who was conceived through the operation of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary. 5. St. John, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. 6 and 7. St. Thomas, descended into hell, arose from the dead on the third day. 8. St. James the Less, ascended into heaven, and see at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. 9. St. Philip, from thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. 10. St. Bartholomew, I believe in the Holy Ghost. 11. St. Matthew, in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. 12. St. Simon, the forgiveness of sins. St. Thaddeus, the resurrection of the flesh. St. Matthias, life everlasting. Amen. 2.18. This symbol, which we ordinarily call the Creed, the apostles established after the martyrdom of St. Stephen, and before the end of the first year after the death of the Savior. 
Afterwards, in order to refute the Arian and other heresies, the church and the councils held on their account explained more fully the mysteries contained in the Apostles' Creed and composed to the one now chanted in the Mass. But in substance, both are one and the same and contain the fourteen articles which are the basis for the catechetical teaching of the Christian faith, and which we are all bound to believe in order to be saved. As soon as the apostles had finished pronouncing the creed, the Holy Ghost approved of it by permitting a voice to be heard in their midst, saying, You have decided well. Then the great Queen and Lady of Heaven with all the apostles gave thanks to the Most High, and she thanked also them for having merited the assistance of the Divine Spirit so as to be as apt instruments in promoting the glory of the Lord and the good of the church. In confirmation of her faith, and as an example of the faithful, the most prudent mistress fell at the feet of St. Peter, loudly proclaimed her belief in the Catholic doctrine, as contained in the symbol they had just now composed and formulated. This she did for herself, and in the name of all the faithful, saying to St. Peter, My Lord, whom I recognize as the vicar of my most holy son, in thy hands I, a vile wormlet, in my name, and in the name of all the faithful of the church, confess and proclaim all that thou hast set down as the divine and infallible truth of the Catholic Church, and in it I bless and exalt the Most High from whom it proceeds. She kissed the hands of the Vicar of Christ and of the rest of the apostles. Thus she was the first one, thus openly to profess the Catholic faith after it had been formulated into articles. Instruction which the Great Queen and the Angels, Most Holy Mary, gave me. 2.19. My daughter, besides the mysteries thou hast recorded in this chapter, I wish for thy greater information and consolation to manifest to thee other secrets of my activity. After the apostles had formulated the creed, thou must know that I repeated it many times during the day on my knees, and with the profoundest reverence. And whenever the words, Born of the Virgin Mary, occurred, I prostrated myself upon the earth with such humility, gratitude, and praise of the Most High, as no creature can comprehend. In these acts of devotion I had present in my mind all the mortals, in order to make up for the irreverence with which they pronounced these sacred words. Through my intercession, the Lord was induced to inspire the church to repeat so many times the Credo, the Ave Maria, and the Pater Noster in the Divine Office, to accustom the religious to humiliate themselves in reciting them, and to genuflect in the Credo of the Mass at the words, Et Incarnatus Est. Thus the church, at least partially, seeks to pay the debt it owes to the Lord, for having vouchsafed such knowledge, and for the mystery so worthy of reverence and gratitude contained in the creed. Many times the holy angels sang to me the credo with wonderful harmony and sweetness, rejoicing my spirit. Sometimes they would sing the Ave Maria, including these words, Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Whenever they pronounced this most holy name of the, or the name of Mary, they made a most profound bow, causing in me new effects of loving humility, abasing me to the very earth at the thought of how far exalted is the being of God above my own terrestrial experience. O my daughter, bear in mind the reverence with which thou shouldst recite the credo, pater, and ave, and do not make thyself guilty of the thoughtless rudeness of so many of the faithful in this matter. The frequency with which these prayers and divine words are repeated in the church should not infringe upon the proper reverence due to them. This presumption arises from pronouncing them merely by the lips without meditating upon their meeting. I desire that they be to thee a subject of continuous meditation, and for this purpose the Most High has given me a taste for studying the Catechism. And thou wilt please the Lord and me, if thou carry it with thee and read it many times, as thou hadst been accustomed to, and as I again charge thee to do from now on. Recommend it also to thy religious, 
For this kind of knowledge is the jewel, which should adorn the spouses of Christ, and which all Christians should bear about with them. 2.21 It should also impress thee that I was so anxious to see the creed written, as soon as it was necessary for the welfare of the church, to know that will advance the glory and the service of God and benefit one's own conscience, and not to execute it, or at least to make no effort toward it, is a very reprehensible lukewarmness. And it is especially shameful in those men who, whenever they are in want of any temporal good, brook no delay and clamorously ask God to satisfy their wishes, as for an instance, when they fail in health or fear bad crops, or when they dread being deprived of much less necessary, or even superfluous and dangerous things. At the same time, although they recognize their deep obligations to God, they pretend not to understand them or delay their fulfillment out of negligence and want of love. Do thou guard thyself against and never permit this disorder. Just as I was most anxious in that which pertained to the service of the children of the church, so do thou be punctual in all that thou perceivest to be the will of God, whether it is for the benefit of thy soul or for the benefit of thy neighbor. And thus thou wilt imitate my example. This concludes our reading today for day number 303. We've been reading from volume 4, book 7, chapter 12, paragraphs 213 to 221. We have here in our reading today the development of what we call the Apostles' Creed. And Mary was praying in anticipation of the creed being proclaimed and professed. And as they were discussing, we also heard about Our Lady, the Mother of God, and a virgin before and after his birth, to call her the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God. As the apostles formulated this symbol or this creed, they fasted for 10 days, they prayed, they asked for the inspiration of God in the three persons, as they reflected especially about the Son but they asked to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. St. Peter spoke to the apostles. He said, We also must soon depart and preach throughout the globe according to the command of the Lord before ascending into heaven. And just think about our own reception of the faith as a country or as a world. We know that the apostles go out and St. Paul writes his missionary letters he writes to Rome. He writes to the Philippians. We know that St. James goes to Spain. We know Thomas goes to India. But it's a very long time until the gospel comes to where we live. But that missionary mandate of the apostles then was handed down generation to generation, inspiring missionaries who would come to the United States and who would proclaim this very creed of the apostles to the people so that we might believe in it, that we might ascend to it, that we might know of salvation. When the creed was recited by Our Lady, she would prostrate at the mention of the Incarnation. And that continues to this very day, as we really profoundly bow during the creed. Also, Mary, she received the words of the angel who would sing the Hail Mary, and so she would bow her head at the names of Jesus and Mary. She saw the angels do that. We now bow our head at the names of Jesus and Mary as we hear them said at Mass as well. It's this reverence 
especially for the Incarnation, that God became man of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary is important in this Incarnation of Jesus. In the instruction of Our Lady, she says, This presumption arises from pronouncing them merely by the lips without meditating upon their meaning. I think sometimes at Mass, we can simply recite the creed and we're done with it before we realize we almost started it. We don't necessarily think about the words. And as a priest, I actually have the card in front of me because if I mess up the words, the whole congregation is going to get stalled. But it's important for us to think about what it is that we say. What am I saying as I say that I believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit? In the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body. We should meditate upon these things, and hopefully as we meditate on them, we will give our assent and say, Yes, Lord, I do believe in this. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you. And Mary, pray for you.